This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 8. Interviewing the best of category winners in the third annual International Zebra Golden Brush Awards continues. Today we chat with Yadi Pinheiro with Lily Moon Vintage who won Best Farmhouse Style. Yadi talks about achieving the farmhouse style look and she also shares an announcement about a new product she is launching in her Lily Moon paint business. Catherine with Resuscitated Furnishing shares a refinishing tip on how to install hardware the easy way. We'll find out what Alden with Rio Revamp and Kristen with a Broken Masterpiece are working on in their studios this week. On the beginner's bucket, Courtney with Steelbird Studios answers this week's question, what should you expect your financial investment to be when getting started in refinishing? Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Yadi Pinara is no stranger to our podcast. She has been on several times before sharing insights into her refinishing skills and discussing her award-winning pieces. Today, she talks about farmhouse-style furniture and how she achieved her winning design in the Golden Brush Awards. She also shares some exciting news about her paint business. Hi, Yadi. Great to have you back on the podcast. How's it going? Hi, Lane. I'm doing good. So you are in a similar client as we are here in North Carolina. So what is your weather like today in Tennessee? I definitely made sure to check before I got on to talk with you today. <laughs> the weather report. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's super, super gloomy today, but it's 57 degrees. And I think we're expecting some type of like rainstorm or something in a couple hours. So I have my light on right now because it's like, it's pretty dark. Yeah, it's funny because I woke up to sunshine this morning and then, I don't know, a couple hours later it started turning gray. Mm-hmm. And then I saw where we could get, it's probably the same thing you're talking about, some pretty rough storms. So yeah. hopefully not tornadoes. Oh, gosh, no. I don't. My brother just went through a tornado in Texas and it was not pretty. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Destruction? Um, his fence, I think, got messed up. Um, I mean, overall, he was okay. Yeah, um, but his good. fence got messed up. And just like the videos that I saw afterwards, it's like, it was crazy. I know. Well, those things are so scary. Yeah. We don't, uh, we get a few now and then, but uh, it's not as prevalent as probably the Midwest, for sure. Yeah. So obviously, we're talking thunderstorms. So that does mean warmer weather. But has spring sprung for you guys other than like hearing about storms? Well, we have, in our neighborhood, we have seen some few um, just trees that are kind of getting their little pink blossoms and Mm -hmm. things like that, which is really cute. But I feel like this week we're starting to kind of get warmer (laughs) because, I mean, what, maybe two, three weeks ago we had another snowfall? Like, it was just bizarre. (laughs) Oh, man, I know. I can say it doesn't really look winter here anymore. I mean, the trees are budding. Yep. I was on the road the other day in the car in front of me. I was like, what is all that dust? But I got to looking and I was like, that's, that's pollen. I mean, there's pollen oh covering gosh. the roads. And um, so I don't know, like, you know, what we're talking about, whether it's like a riding a roller coaster. <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward for spring, but not, not that. Because <laughs> yeah, my know. allergies ever since I moved to Tennessee have been just crazy. <laughs> I know. It makes it tough. You know, I looked at the forecast and it's supposed to be like 80 here one day this week. And then in another few days, oh, it's wow. supposed to be in the upper 50s. So it's so funny. I saw this. Uh, <laughs> Just hilarious. A friend on IG posted this a few days ago, and I have to share this. So she wrote, I don't know if this was her original copy, but she says, I'm ready for the rest of this week. I have my umbrella, 
my flip-flops, my mittens, my suntan <laughs> lotion, my winter coat, my sunglasses, my thermals, my iced tea, and my hot chocolate. <laughs> Sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, and she wrote, uh, her comment was, welcome to the South in April. So I thought that yeah. was hilarious. Like, Man, that represents this week for sure. I know. I, I just decided to just leave a jacket in my car just in case because I feel like I leave in the morning and it's a little warm, but then in the afternoon it drops like 20 degrees randomly. And I'm like, okay, well, that's Tennessee for you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have this I have this uh, suspicion that people up north are going, well, you guys just deal with it because we have nothing but cold for the next yeah, month. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Oh, man. So, Yadi, you stay so busy. We're going to talk today about your big win in the Golden Brush Awards, but also after our break, we're going to chat about your paint business, Lily Moon Paint. You guys are our April paint sponsor for the Zebra Review. Mm-hmm. So let's, yeah, let's first talk about your win in the GBA. So you refinish a ton of pieces each year. Did you have a difficult time deciding what pieces to enter? Um, I did. I think everybody does. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think you've mentioned this before. We're our, like our hardest critics. And um, yeah. I just like, I wasn't sure if this piece qualified for farmhouse. I'm like, I mean, it, it, to me, it, I would put it in a farmhouse if I had one. I think it would be perfect. But yeah, just kind of deciding what, what style fit best for the categories. It was a little challenge. Yeah. Well, especially if you do a lot of different types of styles and designs and, and you mm-hmm. do that. So that means you've got to yep. look through everything. And, and you're right. Like I always say, uh, you guys are the first judges of your pieces and that <laughs> makes it mm-hmm. difficult. So, you know, you just mentioned that the piece that you won wasn't sure 100% that it was farmhouse. I would say it definitely was. I mean, because you won best farmhouse style. And just to remind folks, the description for that category reads antique, distressed, farmhouse vibes, very straightforward, I think. Uh, By the way, listeners, before and after photos of Yachty's piece will be up on our website, Enjoy Zebra, under the podcast tab. When you get a chance, you have to go check it out. And if you want, if you're not in your car, if you're not working, you can go to the website, you can uh, click the listen button, and you can look at the piece as we talk. So, But let's get to your piece, Yadi. Describe this piece and tell us all about it. Okay, so this is actually my favorite style of all time. Um, I think that last year we talked about a similar style that mm-hmm. I did in a green color. Yep, I <laughs> but remember Jacobian, that. <laughs> yeah, Jacobian buffets just have my heart. I will always say yes to them, no matter no matter <laughs> the condition. I mean, I just did one two weeks ago, and that was almost a nightmare (laughs) but it was just one of those things that i just i love to do them i don't know what it is about these pieces i think it's just just the character and the history behind them that just really draws me in and these pieces are from like the 1920s 30s you know that era and they're just beautiful and this one was really unique to me um this was actually a customer piece and um she reached out to me it was her husband's grandmother's piece and of course it was very like dark and a little dingy and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it just it needed some sprucing up they had just moved um to this side of town and they brought it with them and it was kind of a thing between her husband where her husband wanted to keep it she wanted to get rid of it so they kind of settled on let's keep it we're but we're gonna you know make it more beautiful <laughs> than it mm-hmm. is you know <laughs> just to like fit our style so 
um, I was I was really excited because I've never done one that had like that top part to it. Um, I guess I don't know. I don't know if I would consider it like a little hutch or I don't know what it's called, but I think it was beautiful because um, I've never had one with details like that on the top. So yeah, I mean, it, I just I fell in love with it. I love these kind of pieces. Does that make you nervous when someone says, this is my husband's grandmother's piece? <laughs> oh, well, you know, every custom piece I get, I get nervous because, you know, it's just sometimes you just kind of think about, like, am I going to meet expectations? You know, what are the expectations that they have for yeah. me? Um, and, you know, a lot of people see my pieces. And I mean, I, I think I've gotten to a point where I can accept custom pieces and I can be pretty confident about the way that is going to turn out because I know the quality work that I put into them, yeah. but you just never really know what a customer's thinking in their head or the way they visualize it. And if it, if it's going to come out the way they visualize it, that makes me a little bit nervous, but yeah, yeah I mean, this I, it, honestly, I feel more honored than anything when somebody mentions something like that about it being their grandmothers and it just being in their family for years. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the, the before picture, was I mean it looks like structurally for the most part it looks like it's in pretty good shape. There was a, mm -hmm. a place on the very front center that I couldn't tell if that was just sanded out or if that was damaged or if that was something that had to be repaired. It, was there? Yeah, it was. It? Um, it was the door had actually cracked, so we definitely repaired that and we filled it in, um, and then just you know primed it and, and painted it. So she comes to you with this piece. How much liberty did she give you? Because you painted the entire thing. I mean, you mm -hmm. you didn't leave the wood, the um, the legs. You didn't leave those, uh, you know, unpainted. How did you make those decisions? Was that her influence, or was that you just felt, hey, this is what I want to do, and she gave you that kind of liberty? Well, I remember I went to her home to look at the piece and we did like a mini consultation and she was kind of indecisive because she has a lot of grays in her home and um, light grays, but she still wanted to like brighten up her dining room space. And we were also doing her chairs, her dining room chairs that were also very antique. And um, we just kind of decided that this color, um, which is kind of like a creamy linen color, mm -hmm. um, would be the best choice based on everything else that she had in her home. And then um, she said that she wanted, like, the details to pop, but she wasn't sure how to go about it. She didn't know if she wanted it distressed or whatnot. So then I suggested to go ahead and do, like, a glaze, which on this piece, I didn't use a glaze type of product. I actually used a water-based stain as my glaze. So she was really, really happy with the, with how it turned out because you could still see the details on there. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just enough. It doesn't... Mm-hmm. No overpowering. Yeah, exactly. And I know you said you you guys were wanting to brighten up the space, and so um, I, so that's why you didn't keep any uh, any exposed wood. Right. The inside wasn't painted, so like the drawers and the inside of the little cubbies on the sides mm -hmm. that was not painted, so that stayed original. Um, we usually what we do is just take like restore finish or something and just kind of clean them up and make them look fresh again. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, everything else was was completely painted. Now, when you use the restored finish, do you use that over like when you pull out a drawer? Sometimes the sides of the drawer have like um, a lacquer on them, and then sometimes they don't. Sometimes the base of the drawer is just you know sort of. I guess I would say unfinished. I mean, it feels like mm -hmm. the, the real wood. Do you use that? throughout the whole inside? Well, I don't use restore finish inside of my drawers. I mean, I guess I have in the past, but very rarely. Um, I use the restore finish on like the, the doors, like the cubbies and the inside of the cubbies. But on the okay. drawers, 
I usually like to use a furniture balm. I think that it's, you know, not only because it smells really nice and it deodorizes yeah. the drawers, um, but it just, it conditions the wood so nice. Okay. That's a good tip. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And I, I also give like a customer, like a little sample of the furniture balm. So it's something that they can use throughout, you know, uh, when, when they own the piece and they can just kind of refinish it. Whereas like giving them a little bit of restore finish is a little just different more. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have, they have to know what they're doing, I guess, when it comes yeah, to like right. restore finish. Oh, that's good too. Very good. So I'm looking at this piece too, and you were talking about a little bit of distressing and you do have some distressing. It looks like on mm-hmm. it. I'm not looking close up. So she gave you a lot of Liberty. I guess I always try, like to try to get into the heads, the creative mind of the refinisher you know, like when you're working on it and how you decide to do what you're doing and how did you know how much to distress on this piece? Did you just do a little bit and then say, I love it. And then you stopped. Well, I, that's another part of like my consultation process with the customer. I actually have like three different little squares that are painted and each of them are distressed a certain amount. So I have like light, medium and heavy. And so they get to choose what style they like. Um, so based on what they pick, you know, that's, that's basically what I go with. But when it comes to like actually doing another piece, I just go lightly. If if they pick light, I go light, like very light, <laughs> just yeah, like in I certain see. areas, because some people like to go, you know, they like to choose medium, but then when they see it in person, it's like, Oh, maybe that's a little too much, mm-hmm. but I definitely have them choose when it, you know, in the middle of our consultation process. Man, that is another great tip. Uh, that's excellent. So they can actually see and make a decision. It's almost like picking paint finishes and, and, uh, whether you want a gloss or eggshell or matte or that type of thing. That's good. Which, which is another thing that I have also. (laughs) I have samples of like different (laughs) finishes because sometimes customers just don't know what they want or they don't know how to explain what they want. But once they see it, they're like, yes, that's what I'm talking about, you know? I would imagine with custom pieces, the more information and the more visuals that you can give them, the better mm-hmm. off you're going to be. And you're, I, I assume part of it is just, or a big part of it is just making sure you don't have to go back and redo things because exactly. that's time exactly. and time is money. I mean, for the most part, they, they show me pictures of what they've seen in the past from my work and they say, you know, I want to mimic this style and stuff. So that kind of makes it easy. So I, mm-hmm. most of the time I know what I'm going into, you know, what am I yeah. getting myself into? But yeah, it, the samples definitely help. Yeah, great, great, great tip. Um, tell us about, so I'm looking at this piece. You mentioned that you used a stain to bring out the details. How controlled is that when you start putting stain? Because I'm looking at the top, the hutch portion, you know, the very, very top. There's a lot of detail up there, and you you highlighted that really well so that you can see it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't it doesn't look dirty and dark. It just looks like right. it's, you, you see it. I guess if you put it down and you don't like it, uh, try to wipe it off and then maybe just repaint it. I mean, what's the process with that? So here's my tip for that. Usually what I do is this paint was, um, this piece was completely painted. I did all the coats and I sealed it. That's like the biggest like tip Mm. that I give everyone. Make sure that you seal your piece first. That way you can actually wipe it back if it doesn't work out or if it's too much product that you added. Because most of the time we're using mineral or chalk type paints, which are very, very porous. So any type of like uh, glaze or wax or gel stains that you put on top is just going to like suck it in. Yeah. And removing that is very hard. So what I like to do is I top coat the piece. I give it like two um, two coats of clear coat. And then once it's dry, I come back and then usually I'll use like um, a wet like microfiber cloth. 
So I'll apply it with a brush and then wipe back. And then if I wipe back too much, then I can add more. Um, but I, at least you have that little bit of a play time with, with it so that you don't go crazy and it's too yeah. much. And then you have, you have to repaint. Cause I, that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> well, that saves your nerves and your adrenals, don't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> So, okay, so you've done all of that, then then after you put your, your stain in to highlight the detail, do you, do you put another top coat on top of that? Yeah, you can go ahead and do another top coat. I believe I did on this one, too. You don't always have to. Um, if the water-based, because uh, that's another thing, I use water-based gel stain for that. Um, but if the water-based gel stain has a, a built-in top coat, then you don't really have to do another mm. coat of top coat on the whole thing. But if gotcha. it doesn't. Um, then I would suggest you do, which and I think on this one I did because that, I remember that gel stain and it doesn't have a, a built-in top coat to it. Mm-hmm. Wow, excellent. So quick question, do you find it more difficult to do farmhouse style versus clean and classic when refinishing pieces? Mm, I think clean and classic is more difficult. But I think that's just because I'm, per- <laughs> I'm a perfectionist. And I think when it's like clean and classic, I want it to be like clean and perfect. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's funny because when I was, because I, I saw that and that question came to mind. Um, but then I thought, you know, the thing about clean and classic, I would imagine, is that it's un- it's more unforgiving. And, mm-hmm. and it, because when you think of farmhouse, there's more, I would think there's more steps you're doing a lot of different techniques. And I say this, I may have a lot of refinishers saying, no, that's not true. But what I was going to say is you can mess up and kind of get away with it, I guess, especially with distressing to a certain degree, as long as you don't get like too far into the distressing more than what you wanted to achieve. So yeah. I, guess, I guess it's just that balance. But yeah, when you go clean and classic, I mean, it needs to be clean so that it's classic. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it's farmhouse style, and I know it's going to be distressing involved, I'm more relaxed for sure. Yeah. Um, when it's cleaning classic, and I'm doing like a mid-century modern piece or something like that, where you know, it just I just want a solid look, then I'm a little bit more nervous or just more. I don't know. I just I wanted like every little ding has to be filled in. I don't yeah. want any marks. And then if I'm delivering it or the customer picks it up, I'm just nervous that they're gonna ding it or something on the way home. Yeah. And <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I get more nervous about that. Well, and I guess it's not always true, but a lot of cleaning classics have more sheen to them. Can can have more sheen, and and uh, I think sheen shows up more in perfection, so it probably makes it even harder. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this really turned out so beautiful. Your client had to be very happy. I assume she knows this piece won a an international award. Well, you know what? I had to. I messaged her on Facebook, and I haven't heard back from her. I don't think she gets on Facebook very much. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah, I'll have to double check and see. But um, yeah, I, I was really happy to tell her that. I hope hopefully she'll hear her message or see her message at some point. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> it's cool to have a piece like that that uh, is won an award. Well, congratulations on winning Best Farmhouse Yachty. Very much deserved. Thank you. Well, FYI for our listeners, uh, Yachty won Best Dramatic Makeover last year on her green piece. It was faced with wood pieces of different depths, and it was quite stunning as well. And uh, you can check out uh, Yachty's Instagram account and look at some of her other work as well. Yachty, go ahead and give us that Instagram account where all of your beautiful pieces are located. So you can find me at Lily Moon Vintage. Well, keep up the beautiful work, Yachty. We're going to take a quick break to hear from a friend of our sponsor. 
Hey everyone, it's Sarah from Olive and Fern. This podcast is sponsored by my friends at Zebra. When I first tried their brushes years ago, I was so impressed by the high quality and innovative designs, the two things you need for a smooth professional finish. From then on, whenever I'm painting, there's a Zebra brush in my hand. Thank you for your kind words, Sarah. First off, Yachty, thanks for being our paint sponsor for the Zebra April Review Theme Contest of Singing the Blues. Well, thank you. I'm honored. I'm really excited about this theme. Well, in case some may not be familiar with your paint, give us an overview of the paint. What is it and how many paint colors do you have? Oh, goodness. So a lot has changed since the last time we spoke, Lane. <laughs> I think the last time we spoke, we still were at maybe 12 colors. I, I don't remember. It probably was 12 colors. It sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have 42 colors wow. in our mineral paint. And we've also launched our milk paint, which is moon dust milk paint. And that has an additional 15 colors in that line. Man, you guys have done a ton of work. Yes. <laughs> Moondust, what a cool name. How did you come up with that? I mean, that had to have been, did it just like slide out or like, did somebody tell you or recommend? I honestly don't remember um, how I even, I know I was driving and it just like came to me because I was like, fun names and mm-hmm. I didn't want to just name it just milk paint I feel like the milk paints that are out there are just milk paint and I just kind of wanted to do something fun and different and get yeah. people excited about it and I remember driving and I just I don't know it just came to me moon dust and I was like wait is that even a word is that a thing so <laughs> <laughs> I googled it and then it's actually a thing and I was like okay and my brother and I, um, in like in our family, we're the ones that are more like, I don't know, maybe more intuitive to like design and name yeah. and branding and logos. And so I was kind of like cross-reference with him and like throw ideas at him. <laughs> and I said, is this corny? And he's like, no, actually, it's kind of cool. <laughs> so I was like, okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> yeah, no, so, it, it really is. It, it, it is. You said fun, but I think what it does is it it's like moon dust. I got to try that, you know? It's, yeah. It sounds like it would be fun <laughs> to use for sure. Yes. Well, getting back to the mineral paint, what what distinguishes mineral paint from other paints? Um, it's just the the minerals that are added to it are a, di- a little bit different than just like your typical like chalk based paints. Um, I I know there are some ingredients that kind of are used in both, um, that are similar, but um, I think it's. To me, the way that I see it, it's more of the way that it applies. And um, our paint specifically is not as porous or as chalky, if I if I can mm-hmm. say that. Um, it's a lot smoother. Yeah, like even distressing. It's. I mean, we've we've been told that our paint should just already be an all in one paint because <laughs> people oh, are really? just like when, when they try to distress it, it's not as easy to distress as your typical chalk style paints. So, I mean, it, it's it's exciting to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh I, I would imagine that that means it's it's really good, it's durable and solid. It's durable, exactly. Do you does it dry pretty quick? It does. Yeah, within 45 to minutes to an hour you can probably do your second coat. I've depending on your climate. The other day I was mine was drying as I was painting and so I was having to spritz it a little bit because yeah. it was just like I think my garage was like super cold and dry. So that wasn't really helping me. <laughs> but yeah, usually it does dry within like 45 minutes. Well, would you recommend that folks wet distress? Would that be easier? 
So, yeah, that's what I've been telling people to do if they're going to distress, if they can get away with it. Obviously, if they have time to distress the same day that they paint, um, that way the paint, or at least maybe the next day, um, at least the paint is still a little bit more on the fresh side where mm-hmm. it hasn't fully, fully cured. Um, because if you wait, you know, more than three or four days, that paint is starting to cure really fast. Yeah. So it, it'll probably give them a little bit of a hard time. It's not that you can't distress it. It's that you may want to use a lower grid. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, you know, you said 42 paints now. That's like incredible. Uh, That's a big jump from 12. Yep. (laughs) How do you, like, do you do that all on your own? Does does Johnny get involved? Does your brother help? Like, what's the process of choosing uh, additional colors? Well, I'll be honest with you, Lane. I do not have anybody helping us. <laughs> Johnny <laughs> actually joined us, or I say us, but he joined me and us as a Lily Moon Paint. But he officially quit his job uh, beginning of December of last year. So he's been full time with me and he's the one that makes all of our paint. So I do everything else. I mean, and I ask him, you know, what do you think about this color? And I, I'm always like mixing colors and stuff like that and showing him. And um, it doesn't really help that he's a little colorblind. <laughs> no. <laughs> How interesting. Poor yeah, guy. Yeah, there's, there's always some colors that he's like, it looks great. And I'm like, no, it's blue. And, you know, we're kind of going back and forth like that. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, when it comes to like naming the colors and things like that, we're always kind of like working together and I bounce ideas off of him. But it's just Johnny and I, um, we're a small business and it's just us two doing all of this. And um, we're excited to grow this year. and hopefully get some people to help us out because I feel like it's gotten to that point where (laughs) we're going a little crazy and needing some extra help, but we're not there just yet. Well, now, so if you guys are, you guys are doing everything, are you doing this out of your home? We actually have like what I call like our Lily Moon Paint headquarters, um, where we have a business suite where we work out of. That's nice. You get a little bit of separation from home to, to the office anyway. Yeah, for sure. You're still painting furniture though. I mean, like, what's going on, Yadi? Are you don't guys even ask me well? how. <laughs> I don't know how I'm doing it all, to be honest. Um, I'm actually now just starting to get back into furniture because um, through, I mean, we launched August 31st last year, and I maybe did five or six pieces um, last year after we launched, mm-hmm. um, just in the between time, you know, whenever I had the time, I would do a piece. And I'm starting to now, now that I feel like Johnny has a handle on everything when it comes to like making the paint and bottling and labeling, there's some sometimes where I can kind of step away for a couple hours. So I'm trying to get back into just I kind of, kind of sticking to smaller pieces if possible, just mm-hmm. so I can, you know, promote the colors and, um, and, and just give my audience on social media what they like to see. You know, we have our Lily Moon Paint Instagram account where we have these awesome, um, content creators that mm-hmm. are helping us out and they help tremendously with just using our products and promoting them and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I feel like my audience is there for me. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. like my style. They like, uh, you know, how I teach things and stuff like that on stories. And I didn't want to neglect that. So I'm trying to, I'm just trying to make as much, do as much as I can with the time that I have. Do you find like so many people have said that when you get into furniture painting, it's just therapeutic and very relaxing? Yeah, it's very therapeutic. And sometimes when I am stressed out with the whole Lily Moon Paint headquarters uh, part of our, <laughs> our, our thing, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, we had to deal with like so many things today all at once. And I like to come home and, you know, even because we have a two story 
house where my workshop is in the bottom. I'm like, before I go upstairs, I'm going to do like one coat of paint on something. I don't know. I'm going to find something <laughs> just so that I can, you know, just kind of relax and go into a Zen mode. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it's so interesting. The number of people that, uh, I would say it's probably one of the top things, you know, as we talk to so many refinishers that they just, they find it so relaxing and mm-hmm. it's just, it's such an enjoyable thing for them to kind of get lost in it when they're, when they're painting. Yeah, I mean, and for me, I feel like we've put in so much time and energy into Lily Moon paint that I also don't want to forget what I truly love to do, which is be creative and see things transform. That's that's mm-hmm. what I love to see. Um, I mean, Lily Moon paint has its own version of creativity and things like that, but I I just love the transformation process. So, you know, I, I try. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, so so cool to hear you guys and see you guys uh, doing so well. So with the Zebra Review theme of April, of course, Singing the Blues, we thought that would be a lot of fun as we see, you know, just talking about the weather earlier with rain. We do see a lot of rain in April. And, of course, when you see rain, you see a lot of blues. And so tell us, like, uh, with you guys as the paint sponsor for April, what are some recommended blues you guys have that uh, some folks can try out and incorporate on some pieces and, and enter into the, uh, the monthly review? Well, funny because the theme is, um, wait, what, what did you call the theme again? Singing the blues. Yeah. Singing the blues, that's right. <laughs> Singing the blues. And I, just, I was just thinking about the rain. And we actually have a color called Rainwater, which is nice. It's a beautiful blue. It has a little bit of like green in it, but yep. it, it's just a, such a gorgeous blue. Um, and then we have one called Blue Iris and then Heavenly summer storm which also kind of goes with our theme (laughs) (laughs) um and then we have night sky and blue moon and that's on that's on a mineral line then we have of course our milk paint and there's three blues in there also that are called celestial cosmo and neptune those are really pretty blues too that can also fit into the theme yeah it's funny because uh when i was looking at your colors too i was like rainwater bingo that's it (laughs) yeah And that, it is kind of a cool color because it uh, it sort of stretches that uh, the chasm between green and blue, and yeah. uh, it's got a little bit of both in it. It's a really pretty color. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. So you know, getting back to your your paints, um, the milk paint. Do you uh, also sell like a, a a bond, like an extra bond? What is it that with the can't my mind slipping here? Yeah, so we do have a we have a bonding agent and we bonding call agent. it gravity and it kind of goes with our theme of moon and galaxies and stuff (laughs) oh yeah that's so cool that's excellent yeah now like when when folks want to get or don't they want to use the milk paint but they don't want the chippiness uh they use the bonding agent what is the recommended amount of bonding agent to uh uh, to mix with uh, the milk paint so for gravity, um, you don't, so if you, if you're just going to be doing a solid coat where you don't want the chippy, um, I always recommend that you don't really need to add the bonding agent to both coats of paint. So if you're familiar with milk paint, milk paint, it comes in a powder form It you mix it with water mm-hmm. and it's recommended to mix in small batches, um, so that once you put on your first coat, um, because it does go bad, your you know your whole batch doesn't go bad by the time you go to your second coat. Mm-hmm. So we always recommend to do small batches, um, and then you only really add um, like basically one part gravity to two parts paint. 
So just a little bit of the gravity goes into your first coat and then um, that will completely adhere to your piece and prevent any of that chippiness because the chippiness is going to happen because your piece is areas of your piece will be glossy because there's really not a lot of prep that goes into pieces that you're going to be doing in milk paint. So that'll allow it to stick to your piece. So then when you throw on your second coat that you're going to have that barrier already where you don't really need that extra, extra bonding in there. Okay. So good, good tip there. So gravity for first coat only, and then proceed mm-hmm. forward with the other coats without the gravity. Exactly. Crazy question. So if, if I'm wanting to paint a piece and I don't want a pea, a solid painted piece. I want a little bit of chippy, but I don't want a lot of chippy. Is it would it make sense to put less gravity in it? Yeah, you can definitely control that. That's the fun thing about milk paint that there's so much that you can control um, because you can make your paint thicker, you can make it thinner, and you know things like that. But you can definitely, instead of using like two parts paint to one part gravity, you can do like three parts paint to one part gravity. So the ratios kind of change a little bit when it comes to yeah. that. Um, but it really depends. Like every piece is so unpredictable, especially when you're using milk paint. It's like I did a piece that basically didn't chip at all and i was expecting it to because i felt like there was areas that were so shiny but i guess mm-hmm. it wasn't it was it was you know pretty porous and it just like sucked it all in and <laughs> i ended up just like distressing <laughs> the crap out of it <laughs> yeah it is it is an unpredictableness to it as well in there with milk paint i think that's probably what keeps some people from using it because they they don't like the loss of control you know yeah, and I definitely want to go um, and show people more on how you can get a solid finish with mixing milk paint and your gravity because I feel like it's such an eco-friendly um, paint. And if, for those that are maybe um, just wanting to be super extra careful with the type of products that they're using in their home, it's a really good option for that if they're like they're pregnant or they mm-hmm. have kids that are sensitive to things. And it's such a such a good um, option because it's it's an all natural paint. Yeah, for sure, and that's that's a really really good point for that. So, gotta ask you, Yadi, what's next for you guys? Oh gosh! So <laughs> we actually <laughs> just launched this past month um, our spring collection, which is called our Garden Blooms Collection, and that has a total of six new colors, and they're all spring themed. Um, they were inspired by just pictures that I've seen throughout the years of spring in Paris, which is beautiful. They have like <laughs> coffee shops with so many florals on the outside, and it's just stunning so i was really inspired by that and grabbed some colors from those pictures for that collection and then um with that collection as well we launched our wildflower furniture bomb so it's a very um floral like a soft floral scent with a hint of citrus and um i think that one's going to be a popular scent because i'm not i'm not the biggest person that like loves like all things floral (laughs) so when i created this one i wanted to kind of tone down on the floral scent and just make something soft and kind of almost powdery smelling if that makes sense um so yeah so we launched that last month and then this month we have exciting um an exciting launch probably at the end of the month hopefully we'll we'll see (laughs) because we've been working on this for quite a few months um and i I think we're getting to the point where we're ready to launch it so and that's going to be our water-based gel stains which we're really excited about yeah so Mm -hmm. we're going to have um a variety of colors um i think we're getting at I think six colors right now. Um, mm-hmm. And that's going to have a variety with the majority being like different browns. So we're going to have like light browns and darker browns and a black 
Um, and the great thing about our water-based gel stains is that they have a built-in top coat, which I love and they level so beautifully. Um, so I'm really, really excited about them. Man, that sounds, that sounds very good. Now your garden bloom collection, is that going to be permanent in the line or is that just a temporary line? No, it's going to be permanent. Cool. So if people yep. get attached to the color, they don't have to uh, see it disappear you know, exactly. a few months later. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's so good, it's man. definitely going to be permanent. And uh, I have so many people loving them already. I'm already starting to see all the pieces, you know, coming in through our social media, which is really exciting. And, you know, we have to add, too, we appreciate the fact that you carry uh, some of the zebra brushes. So we appreciate that as well. Thank you. Yeah, I, I love zebra brushes. And I got to say, the Palm Pro is always, whether it be the regular brush or your top coat brush, the Palm Pro is like our top seller. <laughs> really? That's so, excellent. yeah, I actually just placed an order yesterday and stocked up because people are just loving it. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it's such a such a neat brush, and it's neat from the handle to the filament. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, a, a great brush to, to use. And I've heard so many people say, that uh, the Palm Pro is, with milk pain is like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> they just they go together. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> I mean, a Palm Pro has always been my favorite. <laughs> yeah. And just as a side note, you can use the Palm Pro on any paint, but it's just yep. for some reason a lot of folks have gravitated to the Palm Pro when, when uh, painting milk paint as well. Yeah, actually, now that you say that, people have been loving the top coat brushes for paint as well. So they're not just yep. for top coat. And right. I've been, I've been using, I've been using my Palm Pro, like my my top coat Palm Pro, um, a lot on my paint on my pieces lately with paint, and it goes on so smoothly. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. We've seen that too in a lot of stories. A lot of people are sharing using the top coat uh, beyond just top coat. So mm-hmm. no, no strict rules there when, when it comes to our brushes. You can certainly use them in multiple different applications and different types of paint mediums. So, well, Yadi, thanks again for coming on. We love it when you join us on the podcast. Congratulations again for your win in the GBAs, and thanks for partnering with us this month on the Zebra Review. Have a great day. Well, thank you for the invite. Bye-bye. Today's refinishing tip comes from Catherine with Resuscitated Furnishings. Hey guys, it's Catherine here from Resuscitated Furnishings, and I am here this week to uh, relay a trick that I learned when it comes to placing your hardware. And so what you're going to need for this is you're going to need a piece of painter's tape and your hardware. This is mainly for uh, pulls. And what you're going to do is you're going to take your piece of hardware and you're going to flip it so you can see the holes. And then you're going to place the tape over the side, so stretch it over the side so it's real tight. And then you're going to mark on the tape your holes. So this is going to give you the exact length from the center of one hole to the next center of the other hole. And then you're going to take the tape off and you're going to place it on your furniture piece. And so you can move it around because it's tape and so it's a lot easier to adjust. And then from there you're just going to drill through the tape and drill your holes. So I love this trick because it has made 
drilling holes so much easier because for myself that has been one of the harder things to do the harder one of the harder steps when it comes to refinishing a piece i hope this helps you guys if you wanted more of a visual on what i'm talking about i just posted a reel on my instagram where i refinished a mid-century modern um, dresser and i did include the hardware trick in my reel so you can see it and get more of a visual on what i'm talking about so you can find my Instagram um, at it's going to be resuscitated underscore furnishings. So you can see that trick there as well. Anyways, um, thanks for having me once again. And I hope you guys have a great week. Bye. Thank you, Catherine. I have some hardware to put on a side table soon, and I'm definitely going to give your tip a try. Thanks for sharing. It's time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hi, my name is Alden Gilligan and I paint and refinish furniture in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am currently working on two southwestern style bedside tables for my mother-in-law who is very supportive of my little business. Um, She's had these tables in her home for years and they were really beat up and looked way too rustic for her current style but she didn't really want to get rid of them. So I started by sanding the finish off the tops and then I stained and sealed the top and now I am putting my final coat coat of paint on the legs and on the bottom of each using my favorite zebra brush, the Palm Pro. Um, And these tables are gonna look pretty similar to their original color and style, just not quite as beat up. I found that sometimes pieces of furniture are well loved and the people who own them um, just wanna bring them back to life a little bit. And sometimes that doesn't really mean the drastic jaw dropping change that we often see on social media. So I'm excited about how this project is turning out and how it's going to look in her home. So be on the lookout for a post and a reel about these tables soon. And you can find me on Instagram at Real Revamp. Hey, Zebra listeners, this is Kristen from The Broken Masterpiece. This week in my studio garage, I am working on a gorgeous nine-drawer dresser. I'm actually just putting the finishing touches on. It's got gold handles. I painted them in vintage gold by Rust-Oleum. I'm using three colors from Dixie Belle, collard greens, Spanish moss, and cocoa, I believe. And I blended them. And so I did so much hand painting this week. You can check out my Instagram at at the broken masterpiece just to see the process and the time lapse. But it was just a lot of work. Also up this week, I've got a prayer bench. I don't know if you've seen one of those, but it's just really cool. It's got a little side table hooked into a chair and it's all one piece. So I'm taking it for a client from this coral colored pink with this weird fabric and I'm transforming it into evergreen with some really cool fabric that the client picked out. So go check that out. Have a great day. Thank you, friends. Listeners, make sure you go check out their social media feeds. This week's question comes from one of several questions that refinishers have asked us over the years. And Courtney Weisel with Steelbird Studios answers the question, what should you expect your financial investment to be when getting started in refinishing? Hey guys, this is Courtney with Steel Birch Studios, and I'm here to answer the question, what should I expect my financial investment to be to get started in refinishing? The answer to this question can vary from a couple hundred to a couple thousand dollars, but I recommend starting out with the basics, working on smaller pieces, and building up your supplies over time. Um, In my opinion, the essentials are sanding sheets, cleaning supplies, a good primer, 
quality brushes and paint, and then obviously your piece of furniture. Um, I would say start with a smaller piece that you can get from Goodwill or Facebook. Everything ranges right now in pricing, but I would say keep it under $100. And maybe your average price for a smaller piece, like a desk or a small chest, would be around $60. You can try to um, invest in your actual piece. Make sure it doesn't need a bunch of structural work um, so you don't have to invest in you know, clamps and um, repairing tools. But um, I would say around $60 for the piece of furniture... Um, sanding blocks and pads can cost you around 7 or $8 at Home Depot and, or Lowe's. I would say get a good um, cleaner, like crud cutter, and that'll be about $8. And I say um, to get a really good primer. Uh, I think it's really important. So even if the paint is really high-end quality, I think that priming goes a long way um, to help with bleed through and just to have the best finish at the end. If you get a gallon of bin shellac primer, that'll cost you about $55, but you will be able to use it for many projects um, over time, and I just think it's a, a good investment. And then also making sure you get quality brushes. Um, Zebra has some great brushes that I love to use, like their square and their wedge. I would say the average around $10, and you can also get um, a furniture brush kit, which I think costs around 48 but um, you get a variety pack and uh, different ones that you can use for different finishes. So that would be a good option too. But I'd say if you wanted one brush, um, plan to budget about $10. And then for paint, I say obviously as well, get a really high-end um, quality paint that's made for furniture. I love Fusion Mineral Paint. Um, that'll cost you around 30 to $35 for a pint. But it's a really, it gets a great smooth finish and it's just, you know, it's durable and you know, you want the paint to last um, and be high quality for your customers. So in the end, that will cost you about $30 for a pint. And to total it up, it'll be about $200 to start out with your furniture refinishing business. So I hope this was helpful. Thanks, Courtney. That was so helpful. Did I hear rain? Yes, and we are singing the blues with the Zebra Review the month of April with all the rain that typically falls getting the flowers ready for their beautiful display in May and June. With that said, lots of blues are on the docket to choose from for refinishing your pieces, hence our theme, Singing the Blues. Tag your blue pieces that were refinished from April 1st through April 30th, 2022 with hashtag the Zebra Review. Our five judges will be choosing three winners. Our judges are Jen of Perfectly Imperfect Furniture, Katie Cloud of Katie Cloud, Katie Scott of Salvage by K. Scott, Lauren Schwachina of Portland Rose Studio, and Sarah of Sitting Pretty Home Decor. Our sponsors this month include Lily Moon Paint, D. Lawless Hardware, Surf Prep Sanding, and Zebra Paintbrushes. Nice. Hear the sounds of spring. Don't you just love the birds chirping? Well, with the sounds of spring, that means the 2022 Zebra Furniture Flip with host Jen Tally is almost here. And just like our fall flip, everyone is invited to participate. Begin your duck hunting now because it all begins on May 5th and you'll have until May 19th to complete your flip. Jen will choose the three finalists on May 25th and then the public will vote for their favorite and the winner will be announced on June 1st. We have some incredible sponsors this season. Melange Paint, Mud Paint, Shacto Interiors Milk Paint, Surf Prep Sanding, D. Lawless Hardware, and Zebra. Begin using the hashtag Zebra Furniture Flip and tag Zebra Painting and Perfectly Imperfect Furniture RES in your stories and posts so we can follow along. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebras Before and After Furniture Refinishing Podcast. Today's episode, along with information about today's guest, is also featured on enjoyzebra.com under the podcast tab at the bottom. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share them by sending your emails to me at laneball at enjoyzebra.com. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and happy refinishing.